Entrepreneur on Fire 765. There's always going to be a rainy day. Be prepared. Be conservative. Don't overstretch or over leverage. John Lee Dumas is here with your daily dose of inspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire and prepare to ignite. Peace of mind for just $5 per month. That's Backblaze Online Backup for you. Backup before you wish you had. Listeners can get a risk-free, no credit card required free trial at backblaze.com slash fire. Video courses available for all experience levels await at lynda.com, and I've worked out a deal to give you a special offer. Access the entire library for free for seven days at lynda.com slash fire. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash fire. Entrepreneurs near and far. John Lee Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Nick Ruiz. Nick, are you prepared to ignite? I'm ready to light it up, brother. Yes. Nick is a twice self-made real estate entrepreneur that started from scratch and became a millionaire by his mid-20s. The big crash in 2008 forced him into bankruptcy, but he created financial independence again after the bankruptcy with real estate entrepreneurship. He blogs about his journey and strategies at alphahomeflipping.com. Nick, I've given Fire Nation just a little insight, so share more about you personally than expound upon the biz. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much since I can remember, even going back to like grade school days. Some of the moves I made, I'm like, really? I did that? Now that I'm older, I connect the dots. <laughs> I mean, really, I, we won't go into all of them, but some of them are pretty outrageous. But I always love to buy and sell, connect with people. And it just, it was fun to me. I mean, since I was a kid. So, you know, I tried a lot of businesses throughout high school, even um, some, you know, multi-level marketing businesses. And some of them were good because they taught me salesmanship, gaining rapport with people, shaking hands, getting out there, getting out of my comfort zone, which obviously is a key, as you know, right. for all entrepreneurs. You got to do things you're scared of as often as possible for real growth. Boom. So, um, then I was like, you know, I kind of got a job when I was 18, 19 years old working in a family business. And I just knew I didn't want to be an employee, even though it was for family. I wasn't making much money and I was between four walls all day and it drove me nuts. So I'm like, how do I put my own stake in the ground? I tried a couple other businesses, made some money. I'm 19 years old and I see an infomercial, a late night infomercial. This was 99, 2000-ish. So, you know, not a lot of internet stuff really going on back then. You know, so no money down real estate. Right. So I'm like, well, I don't really have any money. So and I know this. I know this is I know real estate's a solid, proven wealth model. It always has been. It always will be. It's one of the oldest businesses in the world. So I'm like, okay, I've heard of people making money with this. So I put my credit card up 250 bucks and they send you, you know, workbooks and DVDs through the mail. There's no online courses or anything like that back then. So I devour the material. I'm all hyped up. And there were a couple strategies and that, that didn't really kind of jive with me and some of them didn't really work out and I thought they were pretty far-fetched. So I kind of set it aside in my closet. It collected dust for a few months, but I still had that entrepreneurial itch. I'm like, I want to do my own thing. You know, that's, that's just period. I always have. And now that I'm an adult, I got to make some real money. None of this nickel and dime stuff. So I pull it out of the closet. Bottom line, I, I pull out a few strategies that worked. I found an ad in the local paper that talked about a motivated seller trying to sell his property and it needs work. Well, those are beautiful buzzwords, you know, for entrepreneurs in real estate, right? Needs work, motivated seller. <laughs> hmm, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll sell at a discount. It was a duplex. Okay. For those of you that are listening, a duplex is two units under one roof, right? So the bottom line is I, I, he was asking 69,000. 
I wrote him an offer for 77000 but I needed him to credit me $8,000 for the down payment and repairs and miscellaneous things because, again, I didn't have any money. Right. That was one of the strategies that I learned. Um, so I got into the house with nothing out of my pocket and I rented out both units. And after all the expenses were paid every month, I was making 500 a month. So that was a, a, a beautiful moment. I'm like, Oh my God, let me do this again. So back in those days, borrowing money was extremely easy in the early two thousands, John, you know what I'm oh, saying, right? Yeah. 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 And I was young. So it, I thought it was going to be a tough thing, but money, the, the money faucet was very, very wide open. So I'm like, okay, I borrow against that one. Uh, buy another one with that money, still no money out of my actual pocket. And now I'm making $1,000 a month with two duplexes and $1,000 a month passively at 20 years old is pretty solid. You know, I, I, and then the bottom line is I sold the first one cause I needed more money. I was out of money and borrowing ability, walked away with 22,000 cash, which again, in your early twenties, that's a lot of money. Yes. And then I, and then I sold the second one a few months later for 35,000 cash in my pocket. And then I'm like, okay, this is serious money. Why would I work at all? So I started compiling things and parlaying that money into more deals. And the bottom line is by my mid-20s, I had 70 buildings, multi-million dollar net worth, uh, rental revenue, like in the 70000 a month range. And uh, it was beautiful. I was flying high. 2008, we all know about the economic um, mortgage crisis <laughs> crash, clobbered me down to pieces. Forced, there's a lot to the story, but I want to keep it simple here just so people can understand. Forced me into bankruptcy, real bankruptcy. Um, meant, but I wasn't just financially bankrupt. I was mentally, physically, right. just everything bankrupt. I was a jerk. People hated to be around me because I was Mr. Hotshot, young, successful entrepreneur. Now I'm at zero. And it just really destroyed my whole psychology. Yeah. T- tough family times. I was trying to raise a family. And uh, you know, I have two little daughters, uh, one daughter at that time. But either way, it just was really stressful. But I got resourceful, went insanely just 24 hours a day. My back was against the wall, which, by the way, I believe is the best place to be as an entrepreneur, backed into a corner where you must do things. And then I eventually became financially dependent again as a real estate entrepreneur. So I'm twice self-made. I I crush all excuses. Don't tell me you don't have resources, time, energy, money, because I've come from scratch once and uh, after bankruptcy, which is bankruptcy the resources when you're bankrupt is less than probably everybody listening to this podcast. Right. It's less than zero. So I'm kind of an excuse crutcher that way, and it's kind of fun. So I'm back. Boom. That's, that's the summed up story in a nutshell. Nick, let's spend today crushing excuses. Let's make that let's the theme of this podcast. I always love that. And you've just kind of given us a quick little snapshot of your journey. We're going to start to do a deep dive into some yeah. specific stories within that. You know, the, the successes, the aha moments, of course, yep. and obviously a failure we'll start off with. But before we even get into that jazz, share with us a success quote and why you chose to share it. I love a lot of them. They're really, it's hard to choose. But one that I guess is close to my heart is when the winds change, you have to adjust your sails. Um, I actually don't know where that comes from, but uh, it it makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, the bottom line is you can still get to your destination if you're constantly adjusting your sails, but you can't control the wind. And I learned that firsthand in the economic crash of 2008. So it's really close to my heart. You can't control the economy, (laughs) but you can adjust those sails and strategies to still get to your destination. And that, that I just, I really, that hits home to me, you know? Especially in this day and age, Nick, I mean, we're living in a time where the winds are constantly changing. You know, there's no the 1950s, 60s, 70s, you know, go work for a big corporation and there's one, you know, onshore blowing wind for the next 30 years. So you get that Rolex watch and then you just go off into retirement. Like, hello, 
we are living in, you know, a hurricane of an economy, which to me is awesome. I don't want that onshore wind. That's just frankly boring. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that I have to adjust and can pivot, you know, even multiple times a day, let alone a career. And that's just fun stuff. And Nick, what we're going to do now is really do a focus on your journey as an entrepreneur. We're going to stay with this theme of crushing excuses, but you weren't always an excuse cr- crusher. You know, there's been times when you use excuses, I'm sure. Um, and now you look back and be like, who was that little pansy boy that was full of all these excuses? And, you know, that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. So take us to a moment in time, Nick, when you failed big. You know, you've done that multiple times as a, as a very entrepreneur, but what story do you want to share with our listeners today? What lessons can we learn? Yeah, well, I'll give you my big one and then I have a quick mini one. But the big one goes back to the bankruptcy in the 2008 uh, crisis. And hindsight's obviously crystal clear 2020. But <laughs> when you're in the moment of things going a certain way, you just seem to get this tunnel vision where peripheral goes away. So yeah, I mean, the money faucet was on. And, uh, the, you know, I was extremely leveraged. You know, I, I, as long as borrowing was available, I was exhausting all borrowing abilities and leveraging much higher than I should have been on certain properties and things like that. And, um, you know, the problem with that is when a change, a big change in the uh, economic environment happens, like we saw in 2008, it just leaves you with your pants down. I mean, you know, you owe 80,000 and now all of a sudden the properties are worth 15 or 20 or whatever as an example. Mm. And, you know, when you have that across, you know, 50, 80 buildings um, at my peak point, uh, it, it forces you in an extremely tough spot. And, you know, the tenants couldn't pay the rent because the economic collapse happened. So it was just a perfect storm of events um, that forced me. And yeah, I mean, bankruptcy, it's it was a failure. That, you know, looking back, I would have done things differently. But at the same token, I do say it was also the best entrepreneurial moment of my life. And that sounds a little outrageous and a little uh, controversial. But I have to say, looking back, I'm thankful it happened. But um, would I have done things differently? Uh, Absolutely. But again, you know, everyone connects their life dots in a certain way. And they are where they are because of the dots they have. And this this was mine. And this was a major dot. And I am thankful for it. And it sounds crazy, but it's true. Um, You know, I made a lot of uh, borrowing mistakes, you know, and and again, bankruptcy was the ultimate result of it. And again, I don't wish it upon anybody as much as I'm thankful it happened. It's just such a miserable experience, especially when you when you're coming from a, a huge success standpoint, right. and then it all gets pulled away. You really get stripped mentally in a crazy way um, than if you just never had anything at all. Uh, it's 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 I just for those who have been through it, they understand what I'm saying. But uh, to be high and then go extremely low, it's not cool. And it really just makes you crazy, more or less. I mean, I went insane. There are so many psychological studies that have been done that it is so much more painful to lose $10 than it is to gain $10. You know, once right. you have that, you can't take it away. Like you can give an animal one apple and they'll be fired up for that apple. But if you give them two and then you take one away, so they only have one left, they'll be furious. You know, it's just, yep. that's the psychology of not just humans, but of just species in general. And you know, Nick, what I really kind of want to do here is something maybe a little interesting because it's not a topic that we have really ever dove into a lot. And someone like myself who's never been through it, you know, I don't even know much about it. But, you know, we always hear this word bankruptcy. Like, can you just take us to that moment when you finally decided that you had to declare bankruptcy? And 
what was the process and what exactly does it mean? Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's crazy. And just thinking back on it just trips my mind out to actually walk through this, but I will because it's important for people to hear. It is. Um, you know, it just came to a point where I was bleeding, quote unquote, bleeding. You know, I was bleeding all of my money to plug a bunch of holes in my ship because of this economic crash. All kinds of things were going wrong. Um, and it happened to, you know, billionaires. You know, I was one of many people that were like drastically affected, especially right. in the especially in the real estate sector. I mean, it affected all industries. Anybody that was leveraged got crushed. Absolutely. So what I was doing is taking all of my money and constantly plugging holes. But little did I know I was, you know, the Titanic. I could plug as many holes as I wanted to. But the ship was certainly going down. There was no question. And, you know, as I started proceeding... That became clear as I was plugging holes, John, the certainty of this is going to nothing mm -hmm. really soon eventually materialized. And again, when you're in it and scrambling, it's hard to see, you know, you're just trying to stay above water. So you don't say, oh, you don't start doing the math, you know, and say, OK, well, if I do this <laughs> and this and this, this is going to, quote unquote, equal bankruptcy on my spreadsheet. You don't think like that when you're scrambling. So um, it's just it, it, there, there was a point where I was like, I have to stop this bleeding. I have to stop this bleeding uh, before I'm at the worst possible point I can be. So what did you do at that moment? So I pretty much, uh, you know, got a referral for a bankruptcy attorney. And, I, you know, the banks were coming after me. I was getting sued with deficiency judgments. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's some scary stuff when, <laughs> when banks are legally just coming at you and you're getting served. I mean, you're talking about I'm sitting at home getting served with, you know, lawsuit papers nonstop from all these different bankers. And again, it's really freaky. I mean, it doesn't sound that scary, you know, as we talk over an interview here. But when you're in a, a place where people are constantly serving you at your door for lawsuits, it's just a miserable feeling. You know, it really, really, really is. I, I don't I can't even put it into words. So eventually, you know, I called an attorney and, we, you know, we're talking about bankruptcy protection and how do I stop this? And bankruptcy is a solid tool for the right person going through things. And um, I filed bankruptcy. I went to federal court and, uh, you know, went to my hearing and, you know, it's like a couple month process. You have to go through all these paper, this paperwork. And um, again, it's a tough, tough place to be. Um, so that, that's what happened. I had to and what to happens to all your court. property when you, when you're going through bankruptcy, like is the bank just taking it over? Like, how does that work? Yeah. The bank takes it over. They, they start the foreclosure process, but a lot of times that can take anywhere from six to 12 months, maybe more, depending on some of these banks. Some of these banks were foreclosing on so many places. It right. took two, two, three years to actually do their own lawsuit against me because they were so buried. Um, but, uh, yeah. And what they do is even before now they have a law that, that, lets them take over the property and take over the rents and all that, even pre foreclosure date um, to protect the bank. So they can start collecting your rents. They hammer off the locks and put their own locks on, even when you still own it and there's nothing you can do about it. So just crazy stuff, John. Like I just, oh my, we could talk for so much about all the just craziness that went on with that. But bankruptcy wipes out all your judgments so you don't owe them anymore. But obviously they seized all your properties. Right. I mean, they're all gone. They're all gone. And Nick, let's kind of go to the point where now now you are bankrupt. Like, talk to us. Like, what does that mean? Like, you shared a little bit earlier where that even puts you more to deficiency than people who don't even have any money but are not bankrupt. Like, what did you mean by that? Like, what are some of the restrictions of bankruptcy? You can't even file bankruptcy if you have any money to speak of or any assets. So, you know, I had nothing. I had no assets. I mean, I own my home. You're protected for your your personal residence. 
but um, you can't have much money in the bank and uh, you're just at such a low point and, and, and your credit's shot. You know, luckily nowadays, though, laws have changed because of all of the foreclosures and bankruptcies that happen nationally. Um, it's not like a 10 year black mark against your credit, you know. Um, so but just you're, you're at such a negative point. You have a bankruptcy on your record like you can't banks will send you on your way. You can't borrow money. You know, you can't get a credit. I had to get secured credit cards in the beginning for people who don't know that is you have to send the credit card company 500 bucks to be able to borrow five hundred dollars. I mean, that's how low it was. <laughs> wow. I walked into grocery stores, John, and I'm like, wait a minute. We're paying this for a gallon of milk. I mean, I'm talking real deal, like psychological flip upside down. I'd, I'd talk, tell my wife, I'd be like, wait a minute, this is how much milk is? I, I, for some reason, milk stands out. I'm like, that's crazy, where I never would have thought about that. I mean, that's the kind of point I was at, wow. where I'm questioning a gallon of milk purchase. I mean, we weren't in a cardboard box. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to get the wrong impression. We weren't literally on the street. But literally, we don't need that 99-cent bag of chips. Put it away. Put it back down. We're not buying it. Wow. Like that. That's where things were at, you know, so um, things were slimmer than slim. So, Nick, this is powerful stuff, and I'm really glad that you're opening up the doors and, and sharing this with Fire Nation because, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, well, I'll say all of our listeners remember 2008, 2009, and a lot of our listeners were seriously impacted by that. And, you know, there's going to be future crises very similar to that. I yes. mean, we are on this cycle of, you know, the good times and the bad times. I mean, that's the cycle of life. And anybody that thinks that the, the bad times aren't coming back, you know, unfortunately, is a little delusional. So, you know, it's important, Fire Nation, for you to protect yourself from these things and, and to really be saving for that rainy day. And, you know, what would you, in just one sentence, Nick, because I want to fit in a couple more things on this interview. Yes. What would you want to share with our listeners as a way that they can maybe protect themselves for this, this next future calamity that could be five years, 15 years, 25 years down the road? Well, I'm going to say this. It is a certainty that everybody listening to this podcast will see a very rainy day. Yes. So that's number one. The good times do, I'm not going to say the good times end, but there are major bumps in the road. It is a certainty. Listener, listen up. You will have a major rainy day. And if you're not prepared, it could turn into a hurricane and wipe you out. <sighs> and, you know, as far as what I've learned and just what people need to understand is leverage can be a positive thing. There's no question. Okay. But over leverage, constantly borrowing and, it, it, you know, First of all, if you're going to borrow money, make sure it's an asset, not a liability. That's like, uh, you know, financial savviness 101, right? Um, but again, it's changed a lot of what I do. I don't borrow much money at all anymore. My properties are free and clear. I don't, I don't max things to the hilt. But here's the bottom line. You will have a rainy day. Be prepared. Be prepared. So, Nick, what I kind of want to move into now is another story. And this one's going to be of you having an aha moment, a light bulb that at some point you're just like, wow, like, you know, maybe this is pre or post bankruptcy, whatever it might be. What is that moment in time that you just had this great idea? And then what steps did you take, Nick, to turn that idea into success? Yeah, I got a great one. I, this is pre-bankruptcy, early in the early 2000s. I saw an ad in the paper for a guy that was selling a house for $47,000. Sounded like a good deal for the area it was in. So I go out and look at it. I go, okay, this is a good price. Um, you know, I wrote him an offer and I was like, how long have you owned it for? He goes, I don't own it. I go, huh? I go, you're, you put an ad in the paper, you're selling it, 47000 He goes, I don't own it. 
I go, what do you mean? I'm buying You're, You know, I just wrote you an offer. You signed it. He goes, I know. He goes, I have it under contract. And this was like super light bulb in real estate for me, like super, super light bulb. Here you go. He had it under contract for a lower price, which means he wrote the seller an offer for $37,000. They signed it. He then marketed it for $47,000 and he pockets that $10,000 difference without ever taking ownership of the property. I, I, that was like, oh my God, that was craziness <laughs> to me. I'm like, you can do that? He goes, and I was trying to beat him down on price. I was trying to get him down to like 43, 44. He said this, and I thank God I made this decision because my life probably would have went, in a, it would have went in a little different direction at that point. He goes, if you pay me $47,000, the price I want, which I still could pay, but I didn't want to, he goes, I'll show you exactly what I did here which was extremely generous, generous of him yeah. to really think about. It. I'm like, you know, people like to keep their secrets or whatever. But of course. Uh, so I go, okay. I said, this is interesting to me. So I gave him the 47000 bought the property, which I later sold, I think, six months later and made like thirty grand on. So it was all good either way. But he showed me how to do it. And it's a process called wholesaling. And that's a huge thing. And we can talk about it at the end. But wholesaling, where you don't, you don't need cash. You don't need credit. You don't, you're not buying property. You're literally finding sellers at one price and assigning your rights to close on it to a higher price buyer. So he made $10,000 without taking ownership. I basically took what he taught me because he taught me how to do it and just crushed it. Did tons and tons of those deals um, after that. And I'm like, this is, this is a dream come true. Like no headaches, just one, two, three, you spend a couple hours and you make 10, 20 grand. Um, the, you know, it's, it's insane. So I started wholesaling a ton and that just was a whole facet of real estate entrepreneurship that, uh, that I didn't know existed. And now I actually teach it to people because people are like, how do you do this? Cause it's right. a very interesting concept. Of course. So it, it's, it's really, so that was a super, super duper uh, light bulb moment for me. So you are right, Nick. We'll we'll dive into that at the end. Like let's let's make sure to let Fire Nation know exactly yeah. what that is all about. Because little teaser, Fire Nation and Nick, you've had a lot of not so proud moments, but you've also had some proud moments. I mean, you're a self made man twice over. You know, you have a family. You're doing some great things in life. Tell us a story of the proudest entrepreneurial moment that you've had thus far. That moment in time. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't when I was at my peak net worth of almost $2 million when I was 25 or 26, which sounds insane. And that's a great accomplishment. But I would have to say my proudest entrepreneurial moment is when after bankruptcy, when I immediately started doing deals and got a crazy resourceful and made like $30,000 on a property and bought take and then made another, I think, thirty or forty thousand right after that, and was very conservative with the money. Bought a couple rental properties, free and clear. So I was sitting on a couple free and clear rental properties, and did a couple flip deals, and then that catapulted me into doing a ton more. But even though my net worth wasn't nearly what it was, and you know, if you look at it on paper, the the success money monetarily was not even close. It really, I was like, that was another light bulb. It was like, oh my God, I, I filed bankruptcy and I just did this. Who couldn't do this? Right. Number one. And wow, like, and I didn't think, oh my God, I'm going to pat myself on the back. But, you know, thinking back, it's kind of like, whoa, like I was coming from the toughest possible spot and I was already a successful entrepreneur in a very short amount of time. I felt really proud of that. I really, really did. And I felt extra proud because I knew I could relay this message out to other people, destroy any excuse you bring to me, um, and just kind of proof for myself and other people. 
you know, that holy cow, like no matter where you're at, you can actually put another stake in the ground and just boom, just crush it, John. Oh, Nick, love that. I mean, that's some moments to be proud of because, you know, just like he's sharing Fire Nation that, you know, he came back from the ashes, literally like a phoenix rising. And when he came back and proved that not only could he do it again, but he could do it with that handicap of the bankruptcy looming over him. That's the ex- crushing of excuses that we're talking about, the theme of this interview. And, and Nick, let's now talk about present times and you today. What is the number one thing that has you most fired up right now? Well, other than the, the nice deals that I'm doing and um, buying more single families, I would have to say what I really love doing is, you know, since I went through this and I came from scratch twice is helping others. You know, the beauty of the online world, as you know, you can share your message and story with people and impact tons of lives just like you're doing. So on my website, I've been able to connect with people, mentor people. And I, I do have a book that's being released uh, early December yeah. called Flip, the unconventional guide to uh, becoming a real estate entrepreneur and building your dream lifestyle, which goes into my story, which is extremely motivational and inspirational. We just touched on it here. Um, And then I also give you nuts and bolts to do your first wholesale deal. So a lot of books either hype you up and they're all motivation or they're all hard nuts and bolts strategies. I combine that in this and I'm really, really excited and fired up about it because I'm going to be able to impact a lot of people uh, who want to be entrepreneurs, um, especially in real estate, but just in general, it's a really motivational book. So I'm really hyped up about that right now. And you said that's coming out in December? First week of December. Cool. Well, this is, uh, as we're speaking right now, this is the end of November. So you might have some, uh, some pre-sales available through Amazon. Who knows? Fire Nation, go check it out. And Nick, we are about to enter the lightning round. But before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. I'm realizing more and more that video courses provide one of the most powerful learning tools available on the internet today. Your ability to follow an expert as they walk through a particular program or topic, all while going at your own pace, is unlike any other type of online learning. In fact, I literally learned how to podcast through watching video tutorials online. That's why I'm such a huge fan of lynda.com. lynda.com offers unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials, all taught by industry experts. You can check out tutorials like exploring entrepreneurship fundamentals or even tutorials on leadership and productivity, both of which are skills that we as entrepreneurs can always be improving upon. Lynda.com truly has it all. Because of how integral Lynda.com has been to the progress of my learning, I've worked out a deal to give you a special offer. Access the entire library free for seven days. Visit Lynda.com slash fire. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash fire. During every episode of Entrepreneur on Fire, I ask our feature guest, what's one habit you believe contributes to your success? More than a few of our guests have said their ability to take risks, to try something that is out of their comfort zone every single day, highly contributes to their success. That's because a huge part of being a successful entrepreneur is your ability to take risks, even when it seems like the scariest thing you've ever done. If you never take risks, then you'll never secure the reward. But luckily, not everything in our world has to be risky and scary. For example, it's nice to have peace of mind when it comes to things like your data and project backup, of course. Can you imagine losing all of your work? Good thing we have resources like Backblaze Online Backup that are easy to use and give you peace of mind that your content is safe and sound. Ready to get your backup on? Listeners can get a free trial, no credit card required, by going to backblaze.com slash fire. That's backblaze.com slash fire. 
Nick, welcome to the Lightning Round, where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I got to say, nothing. And I, I, nothing really. I was obsessed with entrepreneurship since I was a kid. I really, really was. Um, nothing really held me back. I just knew from day one that's what I wanted to be. What is the best advice you've ever received? Buy when the masses are selling and sell when the masses are buying, no matter what industry you're in. I love that. It's very similar to the Warren Buffett that is, you know, be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful. Yeah. And he also said, uh, uh, you'll always know who's swimming naked when, uh, when the, the tide, tide comes, comes in. in. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I, li- I like that one too. I like that one too. <laughs> Share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success. Yeah, I have some good ones. I do. I admit I do have some bad habits, but as far as ones that are really that have really catered to my uh, success, I'm obsessed with responding to tasks and requests to look at houses or meet with people or respond to people via email that need help. I'm obsessed with doing it right away. I don't waste a second. The door of opportunity, in my, in my opinion, can shut in like two seconds. So if an opportunity arises and someone knocks, I'm obsessed with answering the door ASAP. Love it. Do you have an internet resource, Nick, like an Evernote that you can share with our listeners? Well, I don't have a ton. I, Zillow.com is a nice uh, website that it, uh, it shows you like what people paid for houses and you know the surrounding sales and comparables. I use that a lot, to be cool. honest. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Other than my new book, Flip, um, <laughs> I would have to say I'm a Robert Greene fan and I like the book Mastery. I really, I love, I love him. And uh, his book Mastery really breaks down how to master things and become an expert and just uh, really change your brain around. I mean, it's, it goes into depth and I love it. Yeah, I love all his books. I actually, yeah. one of my funnest interviews was with Robert Greene himself, having him on and getting to talk about his book's Mastery and the 48 Laws of Power and so cool. Yeah. Nick, Fire Nation loves audio. So Fire Nation, if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook like Mastery for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Nick, this next question's the last of the lightning rounds, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Network my brains out, go to a meetup, find other local real estate people, figure out how to get in on properties low um, through channels that they, through meeting these people, can uh, open up to me. And then I would immediately find some other cash buyers to immediately do a wholesale deal, considering you really don't need any cash or credit. I would network like crazy, find real estate people, and do a wholesale flip. And where do you feel like a great place for you to find these potential networking opportunities and events are? Um, every city has them. There are local real estate groups that you can, uh, they're just meetups. You know, like I said, every major metro area has them and uh, you can just look it up online. So Nick, let's end today literally on fire with you sharing one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, then we'll say goodbye. Yeah. Again, the, the piece of guidance I got to go back to, um, it's, there's always going to be a rainy day. Be prepared, be conservative, don't overstretch or over leverage. Okay. And as far as reaching me, 
alphahomeflipping.com. Check me out. I uh, blog about all kinds of free strategies and talk about my journey. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. And John, one last thing. I'm going to show some extra love to Fire Nation here. If you purchase my book between now and December 5th, 2014, during the launch, I'm going to throw in $300 worth of extra bonuses. All you have to do is send me a receipt to nick at alphahomeflipping.com and mention Fire Nation. Awesome. Well, Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with Nick and myself today, so keep up the heat. And head over to eofire.com. Just type Nick in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up with all his contact info, recommended resources galore. And Nick, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure, brother. Kate and I host a free podcast workshop every week. I know you love listening to podcasts. Now, how about launching your very own show? Text PARADISE to 38470 to claim your spot today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 